Welcome to Market Matters, our markets podcast on making sense, the hub for J.P. Morgan corporate and investment bank podcasts. In each episode of Market Matters, we discuss the latest news and trends shaping markets today. Hi, I'm Eloise Goulder, head of the Data Assets and Alpha Group here at J.P. Morgan. Today, I'm really pleased to be joined by Pierre Chapon, who is a managing director and member of the portfolio management team for J.P. Morgan's Hedge Fund Solutions Group within the asset management business here. And I'm really looking forward to asking Pierre all about the role that data and data-driven techniques play across the quantitative hedge fund space and also how this space has evolved over time. I'm meeting Pierre face-to-face here in what is a quite a sunny Singapore. So, Pierre, it's absolutely brilliant to be with you here. And thank you so much for joining us on this podcast today. Thank you for having me. So, could you start by introducing yourself in your own words and running through your background and your role at J.P. Morgan's asset management business today? Well, first, uh, I'm French. So if you pay attention, you might detect a, a little accent, so my apology about it. I'm an engineer by background. I started my career in 1997 for Société Générale. I joined a group uh, that was investing in hedge funds, but with a big bias toward quantitative strategies. Interestingly, about a year after I joined, uh, the market went through the Russian financial crisis. And it was obviously a very stressful period for market participants in general, but hedge fund in particular. And during this period, uh, CTAs performed quite well. So it really opened my eyes on the benefit of diversification and the role that quantitative strategy can play in a portfolio. I then joined uh, JP Morgan in 2001. I joined the hedge fund solution group and I've been working for this group since then. I've been based initially in New York. Uh, I moved to London in 2006, and for the past 10 years, I've been based in Singapore. And my specialty is uh, really uncorrelated strategies, which include a a wide range of relative value strategies, uh, global macro, opportunistic manager, and also includes um, quantitative strategies. So I've been monitoring the quant space for more than 25 years at this stage. Just to give you a sense, uh, my group has conducted due diligence on more than 600 hedge funds over the years. And at this juncture, we have about 6 billion invested in quantitative hedge funds. Thank you, Pierre. Well, you obviously have a fascinating lens into quant hedge fund managers through this allocation role. So can I ask, perhaps for clarification for our listeners, have you always been an allocator or have you run quant strategies yourself as well? Yes, I've always been an allocator. What we do is we invest in third-party hedge funds on a fiduciary basis, and I've never managed uh, any quantitative strategies. I do have a technical background. I study engineering at school, and interestingly, my first job at JP Morgan was to run quantitative research for the hedge fund group. But that said, I do not pretend to be a machine learning expert. Thanks to my job, I've been in a quite privileged position to monitor the evolution of quantitative strategies. My job gave me access to very talented researchers and quantitative managers who are really incentivized to answer my question. And by asking pretty pointed questions to a large number of uh, hedge funds, 
have been able to develop uh, a strong understanding for how different organizations solve specific issues. I've been able to witness what solutions work and what solutions maybe work not as well, and then develop a strong sense for what are the best standards on the number of fronts. So you said you have the privileged position of asking pointed questions to so many hedge fund managers out there. But do you get the answers and do you get the answers you need? And the reason I ask that question is, do you get the transparency you need, given that one criticism we often hear levied on quant strategies is that they can be a bit of a black box and you don't always know exactly what's driving the performance and the alphas. So is that a challenge for you? Well, you are correct that quantitative firms are not the most transparent organization and they can be quite paranoid about uh, transparency. Over the years, we have established very strong relationship with some of the best quantitative hedge funds. And we have also earned uh, a reputation for being a trusted partner. In practice, it means that quantitative firms tend to be open with us and always find a way to answer our question. But obviously, you need to ask the right uh, question. So, for example, if you ask a quantitative firm to describe an alpha signal currently in production, um, it's likely that the quantitative manager uh, will be reluctant to, to do so. But if instead you ask the manager to describe a, a project that was in the end rejected during the validation process, you can still get a pretty good sense for what the process is, but the manager will be much more comfortable talking about it. It should also be noted that we spend probably 40 to 50% of our time researching younger emerging manager or spin-off. Uh, and it's not only very important from a capacity point of view, a number of managers pursue strategies that are capacity constraint and you want to secure capacity uh, early in their life cycle when they still need capital. But it's also very important from a transparency point of view. Managers are much more likely to, to answer your question when they need capital. And also it's an opportunity to negotiate and document uh, a transparency framework uh, that you can then use once you invest. That makes sense. And you mentioned then that identifying talent and identifying emerging talent is absolutely key to your process. So how do you actually go about that? How do you assess where the talent lies? So th there are obviously many factors that are relevant when you assess quantitative firms. But I, I will focus today maybe on, on two specific factors. The first one is the background of the manager. Does the manager have the right background to run a quantitative strategy? The second factor is about um, investment process and research process. In terms of background, we really keep an open mind. And when you look at the universe of quantitative strategies, some very successful managers were basically market practitioners who, over time, systematize uh, their investment uh, process. And it's often the case of you know, managers either coming from a prop trading firm or from an investment bank. But you have also very successful quantitative managers who were academics and just developed uh, an interest in finance. More recently, we have seen 
more and more uh, successful quantitative fund being managed by mathematicians, physicists, or you know, scientists who were applying machine learning techniques to fields that are just not related to finance, often in the tech sector, but uh, not always. Overall, we, we, we like to, to work with managers with different backgrounds. Uh, why? Because diversification is key. Crowding is, in my opinion, probably the largest risk that investors face when investing in quantitative strategies. And dealing with managers who are looking at uh, solving problems from completely different angle and perspective can be very powerful from a diversification point of view. That's great. So you discussed identifying talent there, but what about the process component that you mentioned earlier? So when you invest in quantitative strategies, there is always a temptation to buy a track record. We think that it's suboptimal. First, if you buy the track record, well, you have no choice but to redeem when performance becomes more challenging. Second, the track record might not be long enough to cover several market regime or you know, different market conditions. Third, and probably more importantly, the alpha that a quantitative manager pursues tend to decay over time. And it's very critical for managers to continue innovating and to reinvent themselves in order to remain competitive. So investors should really not buy a track record and they should not even buy the program that is currently in production. They need to focus on the investments and research process. How do we do that uh, in practice? Well, we basically break down uh, the investment process into simple steps. So starting with data management, idea generation, the process to validate new ideas, implementation in production, optimization, execution, uh, risk management, monitoring of the system. And then we basically benchmark each step against our understanding of best standards. So let's take one example. Data quality is absolutely critical for quantitative hedge fund in general, but it's even more critical for machine learning uh, specialists. And why? It's because, you know, machine learning programs really make decisions based on data, and that's it. And focusing on data is increasingly important today because providing data has become a business, and firms who sell data are obviously incentivized to make sure that hedge funds find signals in, in their data. So managers need to make sure that the data that they are buying is reliable. One practical example is data revision. Manager needs to make sure that the data that they buy is the data that was available at the time they had to make the trading decision. And finally, it's very important uh, to focus also on the coherence of the approach. There are no right or wrong answer. You know, when, when you look at each step, you know, different managers can have different approach. But what is more important is to make sure that the different answer makes sense. So for example, if you look at a short-term manager, 
you expect to hear a very strong focus on execution, uh, latency, control of the slippage, uh, and issue like that. Thank you, Pierre. That's extremely helpful in terms of going through those building blocks of the process. And one immediate question that comes to mind around that is scale and what is the importance of scale? Because my starting assumption based on what you've just described and based on my other conversations with quant hedge fund managers is that scale is key because ultimately you need to optimize and make efficient every building block of the process all the way from the research process and the data ingestion and the lack of data revisions as you just mentioned all the way through to the trading execution style. So Pierre would you agree with my starting assumption that scale is absolutely key in this space? In my opinion, the answer is a little bit more nuanced. On some level, it has become easier to launch a quantitative hedge fund as the building blocks are readily available. If you think about it, data is you know, much more available than it used to be. Computational power is much cheaper. Manager can access open source machine learning algorithm. An investment bank offer pretty efficient uh, execution algorithm. To me, it's, it's really uh, a question of ambition. If you are a quantitative hedge fund that is satisfied running a smaller amount of capital, let's say a few hundred million, well, then you can target more unique opportunities where the alpha is probably higher. And you can you know, have an approach that is more tailored, where scale is probably uh, less critical. That said, if your ambition is to run you know, 5, 10, 20, or 30 billion, well, then you need to ensure that you implement best standards across every part of the chain. My experience is generally that the relationship between the level of uh, asset under management and the level of uh, sophistication required to, to manage this capital is not linear. It's really more an exponential function. That's fascinating, thank you. So could we take a step back now and think about how the universe of quant hedge funds and quant strategies has evolved over time? So Pierre, what's your perspective on that? And where are you focusing on at the moment within this space? Well, obviously, the universe of quantitative manager has changed a lot since I started my career. Back then, the universe was really dominated by CTAs and really by medium-term trend followers. Then we saw equity market neutral manager become more popular. But at this stage, obviously, the range of quantitative strategy is much wider than it used to be. We tend to break down the universe of quantitative strategies into three buckets. The first bucket are strategies that over the years have become almost like an alternative beta. So this manager pursues well-understood uh, and often well-documented inefficiency and often run portfolios that have structural biases. So there may be long momentum, long value, long growth or long lower volatility stock. And this exposure is, is pretty static. The second bucket is what I would describe as traditional prior-based uh, managers. 
So those managers pursue inefficiencies that are not as well understood and tend to be more unique, but they still want to, to be able to understand and explain what inefficiencies they are pursuing. These managers also often do not want to have static risk factor exposure. So they either neutralize uh, this exposure or make sure that um, this exposure um, evolves over time. And then finally, with the explosion in uh, data availability and uh, in uh, computational power, we have obviously seen uh, an increased number of managers using machine learning to generate and combine alphas. For us, we tend to avoid the first bucket. This strategy tends to have lower barriers to entry and tend to be more crowded. Uh, and in practice, it means that they exhibit lower risk-reward and often fatter tail. Also, our mandate is more to generate alpha and not to, to pursue an alternative beta. Our investors, like us, do not want to pay hedge fund fees for what is basically an alternative beta. So overall, we tend to focus on higher barriers to entry uh, strategies. Could we pick up on the last category you went through, the machine learning based strategies there? We hear so much about machine learning techniques and AI techniques in the research process and the investment process. So Pierre, from your practical, pragmatic, on-the-ground experience here, how prevalent would you say these sorts of techniques actually are in the quant hedge fund universe at this stage? Historically, there were a clear divide between machine learning believers and machine learning non-believers. Traditional quant managers used to be very skeptical of machine learning uh, because they have always been very focused on data feeding and machine learning is kind of extreme data feeding. At this stage, I would say that most serious quantitative organizations do use machine learning on some fronts. So they tend to use machine learning either uh, in areas where you have a lot of data. So for example, execution, manager um, execute trade throughout the day, and very quickly they know whether the forecast in terms of uh, transaction cost and slippage were accurate or not, uh, and this feedback loop is, is very helpful. They might use it also to clean data, uh, because again, you, are, you have a lot of data to test the, and train the, the machine learning algorithm. Otherwise, uh, we are also seeing quantitative managers use machine learning to solve issues that are much more difficult to solve on a more discretionary basis. So for example, once you have defined your alpha signals, how do you combine them? Machine learning can be quite powerful because machine learning can identify nonlinear relationship that can be uh, just difficult to observe. I would also note that even among uh, quantitative firms that use machine learning, there are meaningful differences. For example, most quantitative firms tend to use open source algorithms like PyTorch, but you also have you know, a smaller number of quantitative firms that have developed their own learning algorithm from scratch, and often to deal specifically with noisy data. Finance is 
quite different from other fields in the sense that the signal-to-noise ratio tend to be very low and relationships tend to be quite unstable. And that's why some managers feel that you need very specific tools to, to analyze this data. So you've just focused on the sophistication of so many quant managers and quant techniques. Can we turn to the opposite side? What can go wrong? Pierre, where or when do you tend to find that quant managers or quant strategies really struggle to perform? From a high-level perspective, my observation is that quantitative managers tend to struggle either when they are facing highly unusual market conditions that are difficult to analyze statistically. In the end, it's hard to draw statistical conclusions based on only a few data points. They also tend to struggle when the market environment is highly unstable, so a market environment characterized by high volatility of volatility. Just to be clear, quantitative strategies do like uh, volatility, but what they don't like are when the volatility is unstable. So when you have, for example, a market that is very quiet and suddenly you know, experience three or four highly volatile days, and then the market becomes quiet again, and then you have another spike in volatility. This dynamic can be quite challenging for a quantitative hedge fund. In practice, it means that you tend to see two types of drawdowns. Uh, either drawdowns that are more short-term, and that manager might experience when you have a big reversal in the market, or uh, even worse, when you have a big liquidation. So, you know, all quantitative managers kind of cutting leverage at the same time, like we saw in August uh, 2007, or more recently in March 2020. And this episode, can be quite painful in the short term, but what you often see is that managers tend to recoup these losses pretty quickly, and often uh, this shock creates opportunities that managers can then exploit. So, difficult period, but often performance tends to be strong uh, after these episodes. And then uh, you have some periods that can be you know, challenging for a bit longer, and that's typically the case when um, you have a, a big regime shift. So, for example, uh, you know, COVID, uh, within a few weeks, the market really redefined the notion of winning and losing stocks with, uh, you know, work from home and, you know, back to the office. And that proved to be pretty challenging for some managers. And you have also other environments that can be challenging over the medium term, which is when volatility is extremely low. So, the most recent example was 2017 when we witnessed volatilities that was, you know, historically low. And what you tend to see during this period is that managers still incur transaction costs, but the alpha is basically not sufficient to offset this transaction cost. And you see basically managers bleed performance over an extended period of time. So the best answer to, to this challenge is once again diversification. Even if a large number of managers might be impacted by you know, specific market conditions, you can always find a manager or you know, a strategy that can do well during those challenging periods. So for example, liquidation can be very difficult for equity manager, but high-frequency managers tend to benefit from this period. I mean, they, they might struggle for 
for a couple of days, but when the system adapts to, to the new market dynamic, they tend to exploit the fact that other market participants are panicking and you know, um, are executing their trade in suboptimal ways. Similarly, I mentioned you know, lower volatility environments that can be difficult for a number of hedge fund strategies. Well, uh, it's an environment that you know, managers focused on more long-term strategy tend to weather much better. Thank you for that. So one of the more challenging environments you just articulated was when the vol regime changes very rapidly. And that reminds me of this year, because, of course, in early March, across equity markets and bond markets, we saw that rapid spike in vol and then the decline in vol. So, Pierre, could we turn to this year and can you describe what you've made of this year in terms of year-to-date performance from quant strategies and also what your expectations are going forward? So this year we have uh, witnessed several periods of instability, particularly early in the year. So in early January when you had a big rotation and basically market participants you know, completely changed their mindset after a very difficult 2022. And then we obviously saw also another difficult period in March uh, following the SVB situation. And in both cases, we did see a number of quantitative managers struggle uh, on the performance front. Uh, not all of them, uh, but some of them. But what we also saw was managers you know, recoup their losses reasonably quickly after these episodes. And when I look at the year-to-date performance, you know, for the managers that we kind of track, it's maybe not fantastic, but it's fine. It's, uh, you know, sol- solidly positive on the year, which, which is fine. Thank you. And in terms of your views going forwards? Well, going forward, I'm, I'm quite optimistic about the environment for quantitative strategies. I do expect uncertainty to remain high, which should translate into a healthy level of volatility. Interestingly, the source of this uncertainty, like inflation or higher level of rates, is not that unusual. Market participants have probably forgotten how to handle those factors, or maybe, you know, uh, were not around pre-2008 when, you know, inflation and uh, higher interest rates was more the norm and not, not the exception. But, you know, from quantitative strategies, they have definitely have reference points going back many years where they faced, you know, similar uh, environments. But for me, the fact that we are entering, you know, into market conditions that are more normalized after a period where volatility was maintained artificially low by central banks, where the availability of capital was allowing companies that were poorly managed to survive. I think, you know, the environment going forward uh, should be much more positive for active management in general and for hedge funds and quantitative strategy in particular. Great. Well, that's an optimistic note to close on. But just before we end our discussion, do you have any final remarks or any final key messages you want to leave with our listeners? My most important message today is probably that diversification is key. When investors invest in quantitative strategies, they should ensure that they diversify their allocation across as many dimensions as possible. So for example, 
They should diversify in terms of market trade. So you can trade, obviously, equity, future, alternative markets, uh, credit, option. They should diversify in terms of time horizon, ranging from high frequency, short term, medium term, long term. They should diversify in terms of data use. Um, can be technical data. So, you know, price, volume, order book can be fundamental data like uh, balance sheet information or income statements and can also be uh, alternative data. Uh, so, for example, natural language processing uh, applied to different blogs or, you know, credit card data. Um, but there are other uh, dimensions that um, where they can diversification. So, for example, in terms of research philosophy, I mentioned before machine learning versus traditional uh, quantitative manager. And uh, I do think that it's important to maintain some balance because, for example, uh, following the emergence of COVID, uh, we saw some medium-term machine learning programs struggle uh, and take some time to adapt to new market conditions. But there are also, you know, optimization, you know, diversifying how people think about, you know, portfolio construction. Do you optimize based on, uh, you know, return over volatility, return over drawdown? Do you not trade risk factor or, you know, have more tolerance, but try to time the risk factor? And then finally, you know, um, you, you probably also want to diversify in terms of where uh, hedge funds are in their life cycle. We obviously want to allocate to very established and proven uh, quantitative managers. But we also think that uh, allocating to younger managers that are smaller and can pursue more unique and less scalable uh, opportunities can be uh, very additive in, in the context of a portfolio. And finally, my last piece of advice would be for investors who want to invest in a portfolio of uh, quantitative strategies to focus really on performance at the portfolio level and not necessarily at the line item level. You have managers who can struggle for an extended period of time for reasons you can understand, but can still add value in a different market environment. Too often, investors you know, want all their allocation to make money, and they end up terminating managers who underperform. And what it means is that the remaining manager, you know, are performing well, often for similar reasons. And again, it can be counterproductive from a diversification point of view. Thank you so much, Pierre. Well, I think you provided such an insightful lens on quant hedge fund strategies through your role as an allocator towards them over so many years. And I also really liked your more nuanced answer, really, to my question around the importance of scale in these processes. So, Pierre, thank you so much for taking the time to speak today. Thank you, Eloise. Thank you also to our listeners for tuning in to this bi-weekly podcast from our group. If you have feedback or questions, please do go to our website at jpmorgan.com forward slash market data intelligence. And there you can always send us a message via the contact us form. And with that, we will close. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Market Matters. If you've enjoyed this conversation, we hope you'll review, rate, and subscribe to J.P. Morgan's Making Sense to stay on top of the latest industry news and trends. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube.
The views expressed in this podcast may not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. and its affiliates, together J.P. Morgan. They are not the product of J.P. Morgan's research department and do not constitute a recommendation, advice, or an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any security or financial instrument. This podcast is intended for institutional and professional investors only and is not intended for retail investor use. It is provided for information purposes only. Referenced products and services in this podcast may not be suitable for you and may not be available in all jurisdictions. J.P. Morgan may make markets and trade as principal in securities and other asset classes and financial products that may have been discussed. For additional disclaimers and regulatory disclosures, please visit www.jpmorgan.com forward slash disclosures forward slash sales and trading disclaimer. For the avoidance of doubt, opinions expressed by any external speakers are the personal views of those speakers and do not represent the views of J.P. Morgan.